Hello everyone and welcome to the season preview of the All In Football Fancy Premier League show podcast. I'm your host, the FPL guru, self-proclaimed Alex Rex, and joining me today are my usual suspects of Tom Hughes and Scott Williams. Welcome back, boys. Are we excited about the new season? Excited, nervous, curious actually why I'm not the guru, because I think I finished higher than you last year, Alex, unless I'm wrong there. Didn't Scott say that last year and then finished bottom <laughs> of us three? So, <laughs> no, year after. So, hey, watch this. It's, it's, a, big fall, it's yeah. a big fall, Tom. It's a big fall. Scott, how are you doing? Not bad, mate. Not bad. Uh, yeah, looking forward to having Premier League football back. Uh, should, should be good. Uh, trying to keep a bit more of a closer eye on pre season than last year. Um, it's all about getting that good start. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, all good, mate. All good. Excellent stuff. Well, thank you ever so much for everyone who's tuning in. Don't forget to follow us on our socials, All In Football P and All In Football Pod on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. I've been trying to do a lot more posting on those, so uh, well worth giving us the follow. Um, and uh, don't forget to like the video and also subscribe to the channel and subscribe to all of where you get your podcasts from. It really helps boost the, uh, boost the channel. Um, first of all, if you're listening to this, join our mini league. And I've reset it. We've had a few new new people join us from uh, the Twitter community, which has been really great. So thank you very much for all the interactions I've had. Uh, but the lead code for the podcast listeners is L-X-A-Y-M-I. That's L-X-A-Y-M-I. There is a post out on Twitter and also on Instagram uh, about joining our league anyway. So the code is on there. So if anyone's interacting with us, then that's great. It's I think everyone's really enjoyed the shout outs that you get and also the fact that this is the, the reviews we do after at the end of the season are quite heavily based on our mini league. So um, it's great to always get involved. So thank you ever so much for that. Um, and I have to start off by saying as well, thank you to all the accounts that I've stolen stuff from for this show. Because <laughs> I've done a hell of a lot of uh, research for this. So thank you very much to uh, Lego Mane, Ben Krellen, Holly Shand, all great people to follow on Twitter if you want. Um, and then also, if you want to have a look at FPL Focal, he does some really good work on uh, on YouTube, some really good short videos. And I've taken some stuff as well from the Planet FPL uh, podcasts. Um, they do some amazing work pre-season. They have a week called Correspondence Week where they have a, an expert from every single uh, Premier League club do a like a 50-minute podcast with them on it. It's well worth listening to, uh, to to those. I've tried to get through as many as I can do, but um, they're always uh, really good quality as well. Uh, and a big shout out to the Lionesses because football came home yesterday. That was great news. Uh, and uh, Scotty, for the podcast listeners, he's wearing his England kit. So yeah, uh, thank I'll, you very much for, for representing. Tom's still obsessed about Leeds. He, he doesn't care about the, uh, about the the other football, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you watched it. Um, so let's get very... Uh, let's get into the nitty gritty. <laughs> Did you watch it? Let's get into the nitty gritty, shall we? So Ben Crellin has done a fantastic graphic to look at the season overview because there is something very, very different happening this season that doesn't normally happen. So let's get into the one rule change or one chip change that's happened for this season, which is the World Cup being included. And during the time that the World Cup happens, you get unlimited transfers. So in essence. It's like you've got three wild cards this year. That's the the real difference maker. Your first wild card needs to be used up before the game week 16 deadline. Then you have unlimited transfers during the World Cup. 
and then your next wild card has to last you longer than it normally does because it normally comes in about 18 19 generally it has to last you from game week 17 all the way to game week 38 so this is the key rule change and i'll let you boys digest that but what tend what's tended to be the um, consensus within the community is that we're going to see quite a lot more early wild cards this year because you have basically another one that you can use at game week 16, game week 17, sorry, that you wouldn't normally have to be able to use. And prime time for using it seems to be somewhere between game week five to potentially game week nine because there's an international break between game week eight and game week nine. So when we're piecing together the early season stuff and when we're looking at the um, the early fixtures, when we're looking at who we're going to pick in our initial drafts, generally speaking, we're going to be looking at the first eight game weeks because I think the optimal time, we looked at this last year, didn't we? We thought that, you know, a wild card, you get the benefit for maybe five weeks-ish, you know, ballpark. So if you want to get the maximum benefit from your wild card, you want to be using it about that sort of time, game week nine. Um, as, I don't know if you boys have even looked at this yet, and if you have, but what's been your take on the additional um, unlimited transfers during the World Cup? Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's just pushing, you, you want to probably be doing an earlier wildcard. I think it's, people won't be as worried if they have shocking starts like I did last year and just ripping a team up in game week two or three because um, they know I've got that safety barrier there as well. Um, I think as well, people are not going to be worried as much anyway. I think a lot of people were worried about cancellations because of COVID last year. It just ain't going to happen really this year. Um, so there's going to be less cancellations, less double game weeks on the back of that. So you can be a bit more flamboyant probably with your chip early doors. That's to do with the rule changes, isn't it? Because um, it has to, with, with the COVID cancellations, mm-hmm. even if we do get a COVID hit over Christmas like we did before, like you couldn't cancel it um, as easily because of the rule changes that the Premier League have put in, haven't they? That's one of the, the big things, even if it does kick back into it as well. Tom, any any early thoughts on that? Any early thoughts on strategy, potentially? Similar thoughts, really. I think you've got two results, haven't you? Start the season well, and it gives you the option to use that wildcard earlier than you, you'd have normally. If you start the season well, you'd probably hold it as long as possible and run as far into Christmas as you could. I think if you start well, it just means that you can use that wildcard at a time to maximise the opportunity on runs, which I think you're going to go through later, Alex. And, you know, teams that have got good runs, that's where you'd use it if you started well. Like Scott's just said, if you start poorly, you don't need to panic and worry about when you're going to use it. Just use it, get team sorted after three or four game weeks and and give yourself a good run with that team, knowing that you've got that extra wildcard coming up. So I don't have a strategy yet with it because I think it depends how you start. I completely agree. Yeah, it depends how you start. But uh, generally speaking, a lot of people get a bit overwhelmed by looking at fixtures and going long terms and runs and all this sort of stuff. Um, Generally, and we did this at the beginning of the season last year, but it's about setting yourself up with a game week one team that gives you the flexibility to be able to move on to players very quickly that are doing really, really well. And if there are too many of them and your team's completely rubbish, you actually get the freebie almost this year of being able to use your wild card earlier, which I know when we spoke to Baz last year was, was his biggest regret using it in game week two. But I think if you saw a game week four or five or six wild card this year, it'll have less of a negative impact on your mid-season because you have another wild card mid-season that you wouldn't normally have done 
because he had to use his second wild card last year so late on because of all the cancellations and everything else. Like some people used their wild card game at 37 last year. Like it's just obscene. So um, I think we'll see a lot more early wild cards. Um, the blanks and doubles, because I had, did have a question about this. You know, when do you think the blanks and when do you think the doubles will be this year? You know, what do we need? Because it's been such a massive feature of the last two years. So if people have only used really yeah. played FPL properly over the last two years, they think there's loads of them. Normally there isn't that many. There's a handful. So the first blank game week shouldn't be until game week 25. It shouldn't be. Um, if, if all things are equal, because we don't have a Club World Cup this year because Liverpool lost to Real Madrid didn't they, in the final and stuff. So um, in game week 25, there's the Carabao Cup final. So there should only be um, either two or um, four, you know, two blank fixtures or four teams with blanks. Um, and then you've got game week 28, which clashes with the um, FA Cup quarterfinals. So that'll be the, probably the biggest blank of the year will be game week 28 and then you've got game week 32 which classes with the FA Cup semi-finals which should be a smaller blank so those would be the blanks and then the three midweeks are game week 29 34 and 37 so long story short your blanks will be 25 28 32 and your doubles will be 29 34 37 and there are way too many permutations as to which will be the big blanks the small blanks whatever a big double small double you don't know there's too many different things that can happen um, but yeah, so that's that's where it's worthwhile saving your free hits for, your second wild card for, and potentially potentially a bench boost. We won't have a game week like last season, which was thirty six, which was insane for a bench boost. We won't have one of those again. But you know, again, all that strategy is to come later down the line. Don't blow your chips early. Um, and yeah, that's the uh, the the season uh, the season overview. Um, let's move on to um, early fixtures. So I've got a, a graphic here from Lego Mane, which shows quite, I think I like it. It's quite, quite a simple thing to digest. Um, quite simply, the, the whites are teams that were in the top eight last year, home and away. So you can see you know, how many top eight teams are playing. I'm sorry, fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth. And then the teams in red are the ones that finished in Champions League last year. So you can see here who has the easier and harder fixtures to start the season. Um, and Man City, Liverpool, um, Arsenal, uh, even like something like Brentford doesn't have a bad start to the season. But Man City, Liverpool and Arsenal seem to be the big teams that have the best starts to the season. And when I look at the FPL hub, Fantasy Premier League hub fixture ticker, again, it just backs it up in terms of first five, Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool. There's your boys, Tommy. Leeds, fourth. Champions uh, League, won't you? Early doors. That's it. You should be fourth, <laughs> according to the FPL ticker. Um, but that shows quite clearly um, the uh, the teams that are going to do the best. So when we're going to be putting together um, the draft or looking at my draft later, I'm just going to have a look at players generally. Man City, Arsenal and Liverpool seem to be the ones that um, that, that stand out really quite, quite, quite obviously. Um, I wanted to ask you boys anyway, because I did have a question about this. What's your take on the five sub rule? And how do you think, because there's been a lot of talk in the community about how that's going to really heavily affect minutes um, for players playing full 90s. And it's going to mean that more players are going to come off the off the bench for obvious reasons. So teams have your rotation. But what, what's your what's your take on it? Because it's been a big talking point. I actually, at first I was like, oh, you've got to be really careful now when you're going for players from like City, for example, because Pep's going to be rotating them even more. 
But actually, the fact that they're rotating more does mean that, like you just said, the, the minutes might be split more evenly. So instead of getting a, you know, a Phil Foden on or a Maris on for like 15, 20 minutes, you might get them for 35. You might get more minutes over more players. So for those kind of like mid-range players at the good team, maybe you can, you can afford to gamble on them a bit more. I know they might play less, but they also might play more because there's more opportunity for them to be subbed on. Scott? Yeah, I don't necessarily think we're going to be seeing every team do four or five subs each game week. No. Um, I think you're going to see more teams go free subs because they've got the you know that safety net of, do you know what, let's do free subs, let's try and affect the game. But if worse comes worse, a player gets injured, we've still got another sub in the back pocket. So I can see the subs, like, like Tom says, subs being a bit more aggressive. I can see your free subs getting at least 25, 30 minutes a game. And then there probably will be your usual last five minute subs, but I can still say, I think it'll be three to four subs. I think we'll very rarely see five subs at any point. And it's going to be, we all know it. And whatever they say, it's the case. It's going to benefit the big clubs. And, you know, if you can rotate those amazing options that you've got on the bench a bit more frequently, I think you might, I like, I don't know this, but in my head, you're going to have attacking players with more energy in their legs coming on earlier. So perhaps you get, slightly more goals and slightly more returns from those players, but who knows? You don't know until we've gone into it, but definitely the start of the season, I think Scott's right. They'll take that. I like the, the way he's thought about that. You'll have managers making early decisive decisions, knowing that they can fall back if anyone gets injured or anything like that later in the season, when that fixture list gets a bit congested, probably comes quite important, right? I've- I think as well, um, well, I don't think I know. You can only make subs at three occasions anyway. Uh, we've also got half time as well to take, you can so including half time, that's four. So there's only three, still only three ta- chances to make subs just like there was anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you're going to see subs, I think you'll see two or three subs coming on at once more. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't see it being massive. Um, I think what it will do is when you're sweating that player not coming off the bench because your first sub is getting your 10 points going on, that's going to be a bit more of a sweat there this year, which is never fun. We're going to see um, a lot more of the use of what's called the talisman theory in FPL. So um, a lot more, you know, it's like the, the talisman who gets most of the points or the goals or um, or the ones that play every week, like the team's captain, for an example, who pretty much plays 90 minutes every week. We're going to see a lot more of those sort of players taking like a, a key role in fantasy teams, I think, especially when we get to the heavy bits of fixture congestion. Um, so, you know, like Christmas period, like to people like James Ward-Prowse and, you know, that, those sorts of players, they tend to, and, you know, the ones that you can always rely on, I think it makes it a little bit more difficult with like teams like City, for an example. You know, when you talk about ones with the high end levels and the, the numbers, you know, they're the ones that are going to, you know, someone like KDB is going to be the one to rely on. But you, you're going to see more like 10 minute appearances or 15 minute appearances from someone like Mares during the season. It's going to be, I don't think it'll affect it massively because even when we had five subs before, I think even Klopp only made an average of 3.7. You know, mm. so like I don't think it's going to make a massive difference, but it, yeah, it is just something to, uh, to to bear in mind. Um, and also towards the beginning of the season, teams like City. I mean, the Champions League doesn't actually start until um, after game week six. So I think there's quite um, there's going to be less rotation than we think in those teams anyway at the start of the season. So I think. Do you think just generally speaking, 
last year was a good year for defenders anyway, but do you think it means defensive assets are more important because generally speaking, they get rotated less? So does five subs mean you'll see more defenders get subbed or will it still follow the rule that it's mostly... A t- they m- Most teams make attacking option changes, right? They don't like to disturb that back line. Either they're you know, keeping a clean sheet or whatever, they just don't disturb that back line. You're not going to change your centre-backs most of the time. So does it make those defensive options quite important? Um, it definitely does for center offs. So um, a player like Van Dyke or a player like Diaz or Laporte, if they're going to play all season, like Van Dyke is always in the top 20 players at the end of the year, except for when that year he had a massive injury and Liverpool were rubbish. So like someone like him, um, it's just difficult because there's too many other Liverpool options outfield. But there are there are certain players at center half that I think have become better options because of that. So. For example, um, Connor Cody last year did a great job of being a, a great option throughout. So, yeah, I think it makes, makes centre-halves probably a, a, a slightly more attractive option throughout. Um, I'm going to move on to... my screen frozen? That's terrible. Is my camera frozen? I think really, really, really quickly, it'd be an interesting one to keep an eye on because there is a case for sort of having a potential weaker bench, I think. Um, if your 11 have got more chance of your first 11 players have got more chance of actually playing at some point in the game. I think it makes that, it could make that second or third person on your bench sort of, you know, never really going to feature uh, even less than they were. So I think that is one to monitor over the first few weeks, maybe building up towards that first wild card. If that is, if, if you're finding actually my bench players are never coming on because everyone's utilising three or four subs every week, then you could go really cheap on your bench and just go for a really strong 11 or uh, at least one first sub. I think that's one to keep an eye on. Next up, we're going to talk about the preseason because previously, the last preseason, Tom picked up one of his picks that he never stopped banging on about for however long, which was a guy called Saeed Ben Rama, who basically had two good game weeks and then messed about for the rest of the season, but gave him an incredibly good start. So, one thing I want to do is recommend this video that I've got just one still of right now on the screen, which is by FPL Focal. Now he was a world. He was world number one in the world at one point last season. Was a guy called Oscar, and he's just done a fantastic review of the results from preseason and um, who's performed at their best. So instead of going through fourteen minutes worth of content, because you can go off and watch that on YouTube yourself, FPL preseason form players, the final one, um, hundred and. 15 or 20 preseason games it was here are the people that have returned the most goals and assists uh, from those preseason games and what their price is so at this very moment in time the person for podcast listeners the top few on here uh, gabriel jesus seven goals and one assist uh almiron six goals and two assists yes almiron um, and Ketia, five goals and four assists. Three of those were in one game that was behind closed doors against Ipswich on a training ground. But just as a caveat for that, uh, Harry Kane, five goals, one assist. Uh, Wilfred Zaha, been on fire, five goals and three assists. Son, two goals, four assists. Martinelli, one goal, five assists. And uh, Nunes, five goals. Saka, four goals, one assist. I did go down this list. But a couple of the cheaper ones as well to note. Um, I was going to say Eric Bailly then. Uh, Leon Bailey, um, three goals, two assists. And Pedro uh, Pedro Neto for three goals, two assists in in terms of cheap options. So these, there's been some really quite noticeable performances from players that are going to be quite high up our lists in terms of who we're going to be interested in, from premiums to, um, to, to lower end. 
you had a, a maybe a minute to digest that, lads, and probably the first time you've seen any of that information. Um, any any key takeaways? There's a reason Gabriel Jesus is seventy percent owned currently in fantasy football, isn't there? Um, but any takeaways from it? Any players on there that you were thinking about having in Tom? Your next Ben Rama? Anyone you were considering? Bailey's in my draft, so okay. um, I think he was a player that got injured really quickly when he came into Villa, wasn't he? And then he's been very stop-start, very stop-start. But he was, I mean, great player, at least for the bits that I've seen him, the flashes I've seen of him. I think Villa may be a bit more settled under Gerrard now. He could he could do well. So Bailey's in my draft because he's 5 million. He's an enabler. So uh, it's worth taking a gamble on one of those. But looking at that list, I think there's a few that you could take a punt on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they'd allow you to get those more expensive options. I mean, Almiron that's sticking out to me because I think Newcastle do well this year. I know it's only pre-season, but for 5 billion, a great enabler again, it just frees up so much of your money to get those premium players. Forest at home, Brighton away, then City at home, but Wolves, then Liverpool and Palace. So they've got a really good game week one, maybe game week two, but after the first two game weeks, they do do seem to drop off, which is why he's probably not in in a lot of drafts. And also, is he going to play? Don't know, especially if they're looking at like Madison as a player to sign or whatever else and how their system works. Um, But uh, Aston Villa, they had uh, some good fixes to start the season. Bournemouth away, Everton at home, Palace away, West Ham at home. Then it goes Arsenal and Man City, so it's a bit tougher when you're talking about Bailey. Um, Scott, for, for, from you? What yeah, you... I, th- I think it's important. I think this is a really good um, bit of information to take away, but it's, just, it's also important to do a bit of research and see who the goals were against. So if, you, if you're bagging three against Ipswich behind closed goals on a training ground, it's not particularly pulling up trees, is it? Um, just having a look now because I was interested by Almiron. He got a couple of goals against Benfica, which fair play. Benfica, a decent team. Um, and then his other returns were against um, Gateshead. Scunny can beat Gateshead. So uh, <laughs> don't be getting too giddy with Almiron. Have a look at the playing in pre season. We know Harry Kane, for instance, for Spurs, he's playing, he's playing against top tier teams usually in pre season there. Um, for me, I'm going, I'm a Kane. Kane Certainly be going for Harry Kane. Jesus, no surprises up there. It's a couple of these are interesting because I'm looking at this and it's you're looking at Martinelli or Saka, yeah. mm. Bailey or Neto, um, potentially a Podent. Um, it's one or the other. So I think you're not going to have both in. But for me, I'm looking at that saying I'm going to have Martinelli or Saka. I'm going to have Neto or Bailey. And I think a lot of people will be doing similar. It's how they cookie falls on the first day um, I will certainly be keeping an eye I won't be getting any Man United players and I wouldn't have thought but I will be keeping a close eye on how they perform because they started pre-season quite well didn't they United um, Sancho Martial Rashford returning but yeah and then it's trying to not get sucked into the Mitrovic hole again <laughs> isn't it of course it is uh, United yeah Martial three goals one assist Um Sancho three goals and noticeably we played way worse without Sancho um, and Rashford two goals, one assist. I think Sancho is going to be a mainstay in the United team this year. He's going to be one of our really key players. Um, and yeah, I mean, at the moment in my draft, I do have Bailey and Neto, but I've only got them both because I wanted to go with Kane and Jesus and also go quite big at the back. So I think actually you might end up finding a lot of drafts have 
two, two players, and I wouldn't have Neto and Pedence because I wouldn't go double Wolves, but like a lot of these drafts might have two of these players just simply because of how heavy everyone wants to go at the back. Um, but we'll 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 cover that a little bit later on in terms of the poll I did, um, the poll I did online. And, and again, great point, Scott. That's one of the great things about this video. It's well worthwhile having a look because for, for YouTube watchers, I'm showing you here, it, it gives you the, the goals, um, the, the results, and then also um, the, um, the, the returns for more players underneath, but the results and who they're against. Um, so it's important to, to take that into account. It was, uh, um, who would say who would say hard playing because he's always somebody that you just always want to put in and he's always mm. never returning quite enough. But seeing those, you're just like, if he had a good season um, under God, what's that, Vieira, then yeah. could do really it, well. I mean, I don't know who they were specifically. So I mean, Scott might be looking at that now, but yeah. um, they did have uh, they split the squad in two. I know Palace did. Um, yeah. And they had I think nine games across the board. I don't know which ones of these Zaha played in and who he scored against, but. You know, Montpellier 4-2, QPR 3-0. They drew with Leeds. They beat Gillingham 3-2. They lost to Man United 3-1. They beat Ipswich 4-2. They lost to Liverpool 2-0. They beat Millwall 5-4 and drew one with Accrington. So the bigger teams mm. that they played, they did lose against. Yeah. And his returns. Yeah, Montpellier, QPR um, and Gillingham. So again... Okay. We're not getting too excited. Yeah. He's play- yeah. he, when he's played against Leeds, he's played against Man United in preseason. He's played against Liverpool, I believe, in preseason. Mm-hmm. He's not returned against the bigger teams, so it's one to not get too maybe too giddy about early doors. I think that's why Bailey's everyone's getting quite excited about because he changed the game against United. They were two 0 down. And they made it two two, and he got a goal and an assist. And he impressed in the game after that. I think he got another goal. Yeah. So he he's um he's the he's the sort of player from preseason that everything kind of fits together in quite nicely. And also we've seen how explosive he can be in the league. You know, we've we've seen it before. He can deliver good results. He can when he comes on the pitch, he stays fit. He started the season really well and then he got injured. Um again, just looking at preseason and I know it doesn't say he scored against Renzi night, which is fantastic, but again, only playing maximum of 45 minutes in those games. So okay. so, it's a it's a risk. He could end up being a player that that comes on in the second half of game week one, um, rather could, than being he, a player that starts. It could also just be pre-season. You know, it's hard to say how many minutes a player is going to get. I think based on pre-season, because it could you can be balancing all sort of things. He could have niggles. It could be fitness. You just so I, I get what you're saying, but I suppose you have to see after week one or two. But the point is, with a five mil player, is if he doesn't start, he shouldn't be. Bailey's not my first option. He's my, you know, my supplementary option. If my four main midfielders don't play, then Bailey comes on. I think that's that's going to be the difficulty because the balance of teams is really hard this year because people want to go bigger at the back because they did really well last year. Even though we've got to remember, um, probably a good time to make this point anyway, that the only two defenders that have been in the top 20 players every season for the past five years are Trent and Robbo. So... They're the only two that are really that consistent. Cancelo, obviously, is his second season in the Premier League. He was kind of nowhere in the first year and did really well in the second. So, you know, maybe he's an exception on that one. But generally speaking, everyone goes, oh, the value comes from the points per million that they achieve. Well, there was a really good graphic I saw on on Twitter. Actually, the points per million still, even, even at the point where everyone goes, oh, defenders are so cheap, the points per million, the best value always still comes from midfielders. Always. Like even if it's only just by that little bit, even last season it was 
just midfielders still, the the good mid-price value ones. So, and that's what we talked about on the podcast, the game week one season last season podcast was most of your transfers during a year take place between that 5.5 and eight and a half million midfielder bit, because those are the ones that go in and out of form and they're the ones that are the most explosive. Um, and I think a lot of us now are, if we're really trying to find that balance between, right, we all want to go Trent. Not everyone wants to go Robbo because some people want to go Salah and Diaz, but everyone really wants to go, like, let's just say generically, Trent, Robbo, Cancelo, and then everyone's like, well, Perisic looks great. Hmm. But James looks great. Oh, but Chilwell's back. He had the best points per game of everyone last season. Well, but Doherty's a bit better, better value. Walker's 5 million. And then everyone just starts getting really excited about all these defenders that aren't 4.5 million. And normally in the past, other than last year, Every season, this is something that people have only properly played it last year really will have noticed. But every season before then, it's been all about who are the best value cheap defenders and who, how early can you get on them? And then or you pile all your money into midfield and then all your money into strikers. And that's what you did because that's where you got the most points because usually every season there was one or two defenders that were in the top, like Trent and Robbo. Like everyone just went Trent and Robbo and then three, four millions that played because they still offer the same amount of value. Um, I think that's an, an, an interesting time to move on to um, uh, the best transfers in for, for the season. And I'll take this from, a, from, from another angle, because um, I know we talked about this previously, but um, obviously a few, a few teams this year have made some really big signings. You know, Erling Haaland, obviously, to, to Man City, Darwin Nunes to, to Liverpool. And... Last season, there was just no value in strikers at all, was there? Like, really? Like, no. it was an absolute shower. We were, we were doubling up on King and Dennis, for God's sake. Like, it was it was the worst season strikers ever. And again, a lot of people who have only really played last year will go, that oh, strikers are rubbish, don't want any strikers. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, for all of the seasons before that, some of them have been essential. So you'll remember, like, Patrick Bamford from the year before when he was like 6 million to start the season, end of the year at like 7.5 or something, he was essential. He was such good value and he was scoring all the time for Leeds. Like Raul Jimenez has been that way before. Calvert-Lewin at the beginning of the season before last when um, Hamas Rodriguez was playing with him and giving him loads of assists. There, Ollie Watkins even that season, Danny Ings the year before when he was at Southampton. There, there, are, the, the, there is a lot of value in strikers um, and I think it just comes from recognising it early when there is or there isn't and then being able to jump on them which is why flexibility is 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 key um so don't get set in your ways with recency bias that big at the backs everything and strikers are rubbish because that's that's literally just how last season has every season before that that's not how it's gone maybe that's changing styles for teams whatever but don't get stuck in don't don't then get stuck in what i did last season i didn't move to big at the back fast enough if it looks like strikers are doing really well you've got to get on the strikers early and sack off Cancelo, <laughs> and it, it, that's that's going to be difficult for people who haven't really played a lot. But um, boys, t- talk to me about the uh, who do you think's done the best business? Then obviously we talked about some big strikers. Who do you think's done the the best business so far in the transfer window? Uh, for me, I like Newcastle signings. I think they're very astute signings based on the fact that they've got all this money now, and loads of people thought you know they were going to go out and buy Mbappe and all of this, blah blah blah. But actually, they've shown that they're just, you know, making very sensible signings for sensible amounts of money. Nick Pope, Botman, if they get Madison from Leicester, 
that for me that's not going out with like you know no plan at all that is three really solid signings and actually all of those players will improve that team they were good at defensively in the second half of the season anyway from what I can remember so Pope Botman really good signings make them even more solid at the back Madison give them that extra spark so I'd probably say Newcastle if Newcastle if they get Madison done Sky I can't look past Spurs Oh, I've been really impressed. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. Someone, someone messaging in. Um, yeah, I mean, Perisic on the free is a great bit of business. He's played under Conte at Milan already. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's going to be an exciting prospect from that left wing back position. Um, I think he's going to get lots of assists this season, I must say. Basuma, just not really from a fantasy perspective, but as a football team perspective, is a great bit of business. Um, Longley, great centre back, fast. Jed Spence, be interesting to see if he can break into the team. Absolutely fantastic season in a really stylish Forest team this year. Um, Fraser Forster, backup keeper, decent. And then Rich Allison. Very excited to see what happens there. How, how, do, how do you think how do you think he will fit in? Do you think he's going to think this is ruined Kulazewski as a, as a fantasy asset? Do you think he's going to be part of the front three or is he going to be the guy that rotates across? What do you think? I mean, he's going to be starting Kulazewski, isn't he? Because... Um, uh, Richardson's ban first game of the season. He's, he's he got that red card at the like, back end of last season, so got he's going to be starting. Yeah, he's going to be uh, that's it. He got banned for that, he? Uh, he's going to be starting the season anyway. Um, I think for 60 million pounds, he's, he's going to be hard to leave um, him on the bench. Um, he's a proven goal scorer in the Premier League. I think he's brilliant. I think he adds a bit of a bit of bite to a, sometimes maybe a bit of a soft Spurs team. Um, along with Basuma as well, I'm I'm really really looking forward to that. See how they all connect because if Kulovetsky doesn't you know doesn't get going in that and and Son, uh, Rich Allison and Kane are firing, that's a frightening front three for me. Yeah, I'm gutted United didn't sign um, Basuma. To be honest, I think he yeah. was the perfect perfect player for United, but not in the Champions League. And he could play Champions League football at Spurs, so why would he come to United? To be fair, um, Tom uh, leads his business. How do you uh, how do you, how do you uh, how do you rank your chances for the season? Because uh, I know we've got a lot of Leeds fans listening to this podcast. What's your what's your take on on uh, Marsh Ball and what he's delivering? I don't know. It's the honest answer <laughs> <laughs> because that's just me being honest. Because at the end of last season, all he was trying to do was motivate the players, make us a bit a bit more solid at the back. The attacking football, like the speed at which we went from Bielsa Ball to not being able to string two passes together was unbelievable. It was like the same, it was the opposite of when Bielsa came in. You could see that those coaching methods were gone. I'm not criticising Marsh here, by the way, because it's a total rip-up. Only Bielsa can coach in that way. But we've got loads of new signings. How are they going to gel? How are they going to work? It's a new strategy. You know, I, I don't know is a simple answer. I'd say if I'm looking at the players that maybe might do all right, Aronson does look really good. I think he'll do well um, and he's a pretty cheap option. I think he's like six million. Um, Rodrigo's going to play um, and he'll he'll be, what, six million up top. So if you're going for a cheaper front option, Rodrigo could be an option. He got a pretty dodgy hat-trick against Calgary on Sunday, but um, <laughs> I wouldn't take really too much into that. So I don't know. Bamford looks on it as well. And that's the other thing with Bamford is he's got England... Um, in his sights, very big stretch that he'd have to have an unbelievable start to the season. Um, 
But yeah, I, I don't know. I wouldn't. I'm not going to be rushing to have three Leeds players in. Um, let's put it that way. Fair massive, massive first six games: Wolves, yeah. Southampton, Chelsea, Brighton, Everton, Brentford. Um, mm-hmm. Massive. It's so. I mean, any teams that lose the two best players and then bring in five unknown players that have never played in the Premier League before. Wow. Mm. It's like, so I agree with Tom. No idea what to yeah. expect. I agree and, entirely. And yeah. We've got a, probably, I would be shocked if we don't make two more signings by the time the window shuts. Probably a striker and a left back. So, Fair enough. I don't blame you either. Um, so, uh, one of the guys to follow online uh, on Twitter who does just a couple of nice graphics is a guy called Lego Martin, who I mentioned earlier. And this is a graphic on screen for all of you podcast listeners, which basically just um, gives ideas of good streaks for teams because, you know, you're bringing in a player for a transfer, you're bringing them in for more than just one game week, you need to bring them in for four, six, four, six, can't even count. Good luck, my kids, eh? Four, five, six, seven, eight game weeks, that's what you want to bring them in for. Um, so from the uh, for the YouTube watchers, you can see on screen that Manchester City have got a fantastic run from game week two to six. And then they've got a game against Spurs at home, then Wolves, then Man United and Southampton. So they've got a really, a really good run of fixtures, as you'd expect. Liverpool as well. Um, they've got six of their first seven fixtures are really good. And the only one that isn't is Man United away. And they battered us twice last year. So I don't think that's a bad fixture at all. I wouldn't mind tripling up on... I'm going to be tripled up on Liverpool to play Man United because I still don't don't trust us, especially not to score against a, a team like Liverpool. But it gives you a really good idea on here about um, who has some really good starts to invest in. And also kind of when the fixtures turn and change for, for other teams and when you'll be looking at wildcarding. So, for example... See from game week nine here that uh, Chelsea's have a good run from being a Chelsea's fixture are amazing, by the way. And if you get the chance to see, yeah, actually just have a quick look at them. The, all their away games are pretty easy and all the home ones are pretty hard. <laughs> like the home fixtures are Spurs, Leicester, West Ham, Liverpool, Wolves, Man United, and Arsenal before the World Cup. It's pretty hard. And then their away games are all pretty easy, but it shows a really good turning fixtures. West Ham around game week seven, Leicester around game week nine. So all these teams here have, yeah, good turns, but Leicester actually only have one bad fixture from game week six to game week 13. So, you know, maybe wait and see at the start of the season for Leicester and then see who's playing and try to get on those assets. Players like Madison, if he's still there, players like maybe Barnes, if he's on form, because you know what he's like. So it gives a really good idea about um, who has good runs and, and who doesn't. So to start the season, obviously, we can see there Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea are on and off, hit and miss. Bit of a gamble, I think, with what's going on at Chelsea, personally. Don't get me wrong, you know, I'm Raheem Sterling's biggest critic, but I think he'll still be their top scorer this year, and I think he'll be their top scorer in fantasy asset. Um, see see how, he, see how he gets on. Spurs, again, decent start. Arsenal, decent start. Um, so, yeah, I think it just gives a good idea about different runs and different streets. And Brentford have a decent one. Uh, and to link that in to the captaincy matrix. So Holly Shandler did a really good captaincy matrix just for the first eight game weeks. And a lot of our premium assets we'll be looking at here will be between Spurs, Liverpool and Man City. Basically, Salah, Kane or Son, KDB or Haaland. Those five players, generally speaking, across the board. And it looks like game weeks one, two, four, six and seven, maybe even five, all fit really quite nicely for Liverpool. Salah could be captain in pretty much any game of the first seven. Um, Spurs have four really good fixtures, one, three, four and six. But as you can see, 
the Manchester City rotation with Spurs, with Spurs, with Spurs, and also with Liverpool looks really good. Um, the only clash maybe is game week five. I can't remember who they're playing game week five. Spurs might be United or something, but their fixture didn't look so good. So you can see here that you want to probably either be pairing a Liverpool player with a City player for captaincy or a Spurs player with a City player for captaincy. Um, it's uh, which is quite a few. I mean, you can go Spurs and, and Liverpool, which is how I'm set up at this very moment in time, but it's just you'd be doing um, Salah at home against Newcastle. But if you're comfortable with that, it's okay. But it just gives you a really good idea about game weeks to the captain. So it looks like it's going to be uh, Salah against Son or Kane game week one, and it's going to be Salah against Haaland or KDB game week two. Um, and then the best fixture looks again to be either Son or Kane in game week three but any 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 take on this guys that in terms of, of, of captaincy matrix any any thoughts on your premiums and who you'd be looking at captaining have you uh what's I'm, just looking at, I'm just looking at game week three and thinking that'll be Salah triple captain for me probably i hate you so much it's on past history you know <laughs> we've got 10 hark now at the helm don't you worry but I, my only thing would be i I've learned this the hard way is captain rotation. You know, you sometimes it going with the fixtures isn't the way. So it's I'm more interested to see which of these premium assets starts well, and then they'll probably be like set and forget captain. Because if you captain Salah or for every game last year, on average, you're going to do better than rotating, unless you get it perfectly right with your captain selections. Just uh, and yeah, keep an eye on those early kickoffs. They do not return. I looked at them last year. They did not return those early kickoffs. So, Fulham, first game against Liverpool, half 12 on Saturday. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. It isn't, it isn't the first game that weekend, though. That's the only thing. I've got the Friday game, so that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable about it. It's always horrible when it's an early kickoff and it's the first game. Like That is that's painful when that goes wrong. I'm going to triple Captain Jesus, try and get top of the leaderboard on the Friday. Oh, get get the cap triple captain used early. What was the um what was the early kickoff on um the first game of the season uh last year? Uh Leeds Man U on it. Yeah. Yeah, that was about yeah, that was ridiculous. That was yeah, that, well, when we when we went when we went through him, that was the only like anomaly. Every yeah. other one was like two goals in it. That, yeah. that was a freak game. Yeah, it was a free game, to be fair. And it was, yeah, very, a very, a very odd one, but I just thought I'd remind Tom of that one. And yes. um, so, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, we sorry. spent a billion pounds. Well, good for you. Pogba yeah, got four assists in that game, didn't he? I know. Goodbye, good riddance, the lap. Yeah, not get rid of him. He's ridiculous. Pogmentary, uh, two stars, I think it was on Amazon Prime, for a reason. Um, not worth any 290 grand a week. Jeez. Anyway, let's not get, I'm not going to get on my rants about, uh, about, Paul Pogba. So let's get on to questions. Let's go to questions. Let's go on to building, building a team, building a draft. Let's get on to having a look at players per position uh, and um, and really piecing together who who we're going to look for to put in our game week one teams. Um, and I'll try and answer some of your questions that you've thrown in along the way here with uh, with with responses. One of the big changes in fantasy Premier League this year is there are no six million keepers anymore. And I think that's a fantastic move. It's really brought some of these players back into play. Um, Alisson, very difficult to fit in your team at any point, really, unless you wanted to go like Trent and Salah and Alisson, maybe, and not go Robbo. But, you know, the points. Alisson, 176 points last year. So 
I can't remember what Robertson got, but it wasn't, it wasn't much more than that if it was more. So, you know, an option. Hugo Lloris at 5.5 and Edison at 5.5. So out of those three, I think Edison's probably the one that's going to be top of everyone's list. Um, and then you've got an interesting suite of 5 million keepers. So Jose Sarr, Fabianski, Ramsdale, De Gea, Schmeichel, Mendy, Pope and Martinez. So you've got a, a good selection of 5 million keepers there. And then you've got, a um, uh, again, a good selection of 4.5s. In terms of rotation, Brentford and Newcastle rotate pretty well, but you know, you're know you not really going to go Pope and Raya because then you're spending 9.5 and you might as well just go for Edison and a 4 million keeper because you're spending the same amount of money. This is one of the big differences now. 5 million keepers. Let's talk about them, shall we? So uh, we have Saar, Fabianski, Ramsdale, De Gea, Schmeichel, Mendy, Pope and Martinez. Um, so all some interesting options there. But I think we need to look at the 4.5s as well. So the 4.5 million options that rotate well are either, well, 4.5 million options. The teams that rotate well defensively are either Arsenal or Brentford rotate quite well with Newcastle, but I don't think you're going to rotate Ramsdale or Pope with Raya because you can just get Edison and a 4 million keeper and it costs the same amount of money which is one of the great things about the reduction in prices. You can go Palace and Leeds. They rotate relatively well. So you could go with like Geiter and Meslier because Butland apparently is, is either injured or he's gone. I don't know what Butland was. was that, but is he injured? Is that what that is? I'll uh, have a 25% chance for hand injury. So it looks like Geiter's going to be there. Have they signed anyone else in goal yet, Palace? Because they were looking at keepers, weren't they? Jack, was it Sam Johnston? Has he gone there? He's not gone there. He's gone somewhere else in the Prem. Okay, fine. So I knew they were looking at Johnston at one point. So Geiter and Meslier potentially. And then you've got Leicester with like Wolves or West Ham or Brighton. But again, like that's a five million keeper with a 4.5. Apologies, Sam Johnston has gone to Dallas. So there's a rotation risk of, of Johnston and Geiter versus Meslier. So there's not really any, there's not really two good 4.5s that work well together, which has ended up me thinking, right, I either go with a five million keeper and a four million keeper and just stick with the five mil. Or I go for Edison at 5.5. Um, so I love the way that they've changed the prices. It's really brought the premium keepers back into our consideration. Um, your thoughts on, on goalkeepers? Lads, won't make this one too long, but your thoughts on keepers? Yeah, Edison and cheap. Probably Edison and whoever's number two now at City. I think that's what probably the way I'm going at first look there. You just lose, you just use an outfield. You just use a City slot though, don't you? Yeah, ignore that. Edison and someone cheap. Um, I think for one of the options for cheap um, is potentially Gazaniga at Fulham, but I think they're signing and they might be signing Burnt Leno now, aren't they? I was going to say Leno is going to go to Fulham. He's going to be their number one, I think, isn't he? Is he actually going to go? That's yeah, that's maybe that's a thing. And then um, Schmeichel's been rumored to be leaving. I don't know if that was like I don't know what's happened there. So maybe like but Warden four million start of the season. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, they're not going to play for you anyway, but you just want to put a four million keeper on the bench that's got the best chance of playing possible in case like Edison gets COVID or something. Um, you want to try and do the do your best to to, to do that. Uh, Tom, anything on anything, any thoughts on the keepers before we move on to defenders? Not really. Get Pope in, see if somebody gets a 4.5 like a Ramsdale like last year, but it seems unlikely. So it'll probably be like a Nick Pope for me and just forget about it and get onto the exciting stuff. I like it. Defenders. Now, let's talk about defenders. Uh, we'll sort these guys out by teams selected by for the fun of it to start with. 
little bit of a template five going on here, by the way. <laughs> so Trent at 57% owned, Cancelo at 45%, James at 39.7%, Perisic at 292 Miko Williams, Neko Williams, 27.1%, and then Matty Cash at 206 The only other ones that are really in consideration are Trippier at 169 and then it's Van Dijk, Zinchenko, Diaz, Robertson, and Vestergaard, who are the only other ones in double figures. So there's a real template for me. Now, I, I did ask the question um, about how many premium defenders people were looking at who from our followers on Instagram earlier, and 25% were at two, 50% were at three and four, and 25% were at four. And that was at oh, people over 4.5. So basically four of our audience were going for like Trent, Cancelo, James and Perisic, or Trent, Cancelo, James and, and Robertson. Um, really interesting it's because i think we've actually got a lot of options in here um a lot of combinations i should say um depending on how many premiums you want to go for i'm going to go by total points from last season i think just to put those at the top and it just shows here how dominant liverpool are at the back yeah robertson 186 and i think allison what did i say 176 in terms of points um for me my personal opinion on defenders is that We've game week one, we've got the least amount of information we will have the entire season, even after the World Cup. So we've got to kind of go with what's been going on last season and also um, the form of those players and, and how people have been lining up in pre-season. And it seems to me, I mean, in pretty much all my drafts I've put together, pretty much I've gone for a three premium and I've gone Trent, Cancelo and Robertson in pretty much all of my drafts that I've put together. Um, I don't think going like Perisic is is wrong. He's finally played a full game at pre-season. He was injured for a lot of it before. Um, a lot of people have been questioning Doherty as an option at 5 million. Um, I'm not so sure, but personally, I think he's still 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 potentially an option. I'll put these at price now because it's, it's easy to have a look at, isn't it? Um, for me, Van Dijk is always... No, not an option, which is a shame because he should be, but you're not going to use up an outfield position on Van Dyke. Um, Chilwell, they're looking at signing at Kukurea now, aren't they? And Chilwell played in the B team 45 minutes for Chelsea in the, uh, the last preseason games. Chilwell's out for me. Um, Matip is again not going to be an option. And then it's just who you want to invest in in terms of City. So we can have a look at Man City defenders. Carl Walker's down here at 5 million, they, they, they don't have any other wing backs. You know, he's, five, he's five million quid for, to get in on the city defense. So we have got a lot of options. I don't really get the Zinchenko bit, by the way. I, I, I guess people have banged on about Zinchenko for quite a while as an option who's um, come from Man City to go to, to Arsenal. But he's going to play left back. And even if he doesn't play left back, he's going to play holding midfield unless Arteta plays three in a midfield. So at five million, he's still not really an option for me, especially considering Tierney might be fit for pre-season. But, but boys, your your thoughts currently on defenders. How many premiums are you going to go for at the moment? If you haven't thought about it yet, how many sort of you know, sing at you? What are your thoughts? Uh, I go backwards and forwards for this to be honest uh i 
is it wrong that actually I know you're saying Van Dyke's not an option, but he's he's 183 points there. So between him and Robertson, I mean, do I feel like Robertson might get rotated a bit more with five subs? You know, he might make a Simicast for Robertson's substitution a bit more frequently than he did last year. Just so you know, they're two 0 up. Robertson comes off the pitch, Simicast comes on, just save Robbo's legs. I don't know. I like that. But is the 20, what, there's a three-point difference and a 0.5 mil saving? I don't know. I, it's, it's so hard. And then Cancelo, 7 million, yeah, great. But I don't I don't love that opening day fixture away at West Ham, but you can't make a decision based on one fixture, right? Um, mm-hmm. I like Perisic. I think that's going to be a good option. I, th- I can't see why he wouldn't play most games for Spurs. Um, so I think Perisic is a good option. I don't really like going for Chelsea. I'll be honest, Chilwell and James, I'm going to be avoiding. Not because I don't think they might get attacking returns, but they look they look like they've had a really shaky preseason. And I'm not entirely sure what that back line is going to look like with a lot of those key centre-backs going. Rudiger, Christensen, obviously massive losses. So I'll probably be avoiding Chelsea defensive assets. But anything else, I really don't know. I haven't decided yet. Scotty, and any 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 thoughts on any thoughts on this in terms of value for defenders or people you're thinking of? Who's definitely going to be in your team? Oh, I, Trent and Cancelo are definitely going to be in my team. I think they're going to be in a lot of teams. I think it's going to be quite a boring couple of picks. Um, and I'm leaning on Perisic just to mix it up at the minute. Um, and then... Sorry, Scott. I was just going to say because you made me think the other thing by going Perisic is you don't tie yourself into free Liverpool assets mm-hmm. that you can't get out of. Yep, that's why I'm probably do that. But then I'm, I'll probably end up triple up on Spurs. But um, I, I, I like Nico Williams. We were saying this when you know earlier. There's a reason he's in there. He's going to play for Forest. I think he, when he's played for Liverpool, he's actually looked pretty good. Is is again? Is that philosophy of an attacking fullback? He looks really good for me. It definitely makes a difference what we're talking about here in terms of, you know, we talked about budget midfielders earlier on when we were reviewing pre-season. How many premium defenders you go at the back directly influences if you're going to have to have Neto and Bailey because what you would tend to have is have another 7 million midfielder in instead of Cancelo and another £5 million defender. Whereas like everyone now is considering the options of, okay, well, do I go two premiums, three premiums, four premiums at the back? And I think I'm edging towards going at least three um, and then getting a 4.5 million option in Nico Williams. And 4.5 million options are, I mean, there's just an absolute bucket load of them. It's really hard to decipher the best one to go for. It looks like Ben White's going to be playing either right back or centre back. I mean, you never know. He might end up being like a really good pick at right back because Tommy Asu's um, not going to play on Friday, according to all of our Arsenal sources. It's going to be Ben White at right back with Saliba and Gabriel at uh, centre half. Good start to the season here for Aston Villa. Even someone like Tyrone Mings, again, we're talking about that theory he's going to start every single week at, at, at centre back. You know, everyone who knows me from previous knows much. I love Adam Smith at Bournemouth. Um, you can look at even the, the sort of Brighton players, um, the, the, the Palace defence still offer a really, really good value. Um, there's there's so many 4.5 options. I actually really like the Leicester 4.5 options. I'm a big James Justin fan. 
and he returned some really good points previously. Fafana's going to play most weeks, but I think Justin with Pereira um, almost certainly being out with an Achilles injury, and he's pretty much always out. I think James Justin is probably my standout 4.5 million pick at this very moment in time um, with his previous with his previous, and then um, Dallow as well for United. Brentford and Brighton first two game weeks. I think he's a good option maybe to to, to pair with um, some some better better players as well. But I mean, when we look at the defensive rotation, like I said previously, um, Arsenal Brentford with 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 Newcastle. Um, obviously, Trippy is a very popular option. It's very much time, but he is five million. Uh, you look at Palace and Leeds. I just wouldn't trust any of the Leeds defensive options at this very moment in time. As I'm sure Tom would would back us up, but I do like potentially a Leicester rotation with either a Wolves rotation or a West Ham rotation. So Wolves maybe with eight Nuri at left back along with Justin two four point fives and then Nico Williams. And if you're going to go for two premiums, um, I think that's a a good option. And then I think Vladimir Sufal at four point five's gone going slightly under the radar here at one point four percent owned. Because he had a, a pretty poor season last season with injuries. But the season before that, he did fantastically well. I think one of the only problems that we've got is that he starts over Man City. But then you've got to remember, he plays Forest, Brighton and then Villa in the next three. So you're not going to play him game week one. You'd bench him game week one. Nico Williams plays Newcastle, so you'd probably start him instead. Or you would be rotating with someone like Aitnuri who was going to rotate with. Yeah, against Leeds. So you could rotate with Aitnuri. So... There are still options out there to go with two premiums, two 4.5s, and then potentially a 4 million. These are all options to do because then you can put more money into your midfield. So it's going to be the two premium defenders for me. And if that is the case, it's going to be Trent and Robbo for me personally with Edison in goal. So I've got a piece of the City defence. And then I'll probably be going for something like Aitnuri and Justin with Nico Williams, or I'd be taking Aitnuri out and I'd be sticking someone like Cancelo in. But that's what... That's where I'm at personally with uh, with with uh, with my current drafts. Any more thoughts on defenders, lads? Before we move on to midfielders, big shape from Scott. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going through Tom's mind right now. Oh, I hate these podcasts, really. To be honest, Alex, <laughs> it just makes him think too much. Yeah, and, and I love the fact that like Scott basically hasn't even done his team yet. That just makes me happy. Because he's just sitting there right now, hand across his face for all the podcasts. It's like listeners. he's playing poker, isn't he? It he is. Like, he's got his sunglasses like he's like on. Poker face. He's not giving anything <laughs> away. It's... Um, he's uh, he's having a really good think about it. So, midfielders. Let's start off by talking about the premiums, shall we? Because this is uh, this is the one of the main topics of conversation with people. Uh, premiums being double figured, double figured players, players who cost um, double figures in terms of numbers. So Salah, De Bruyne, Son, Sterling and Fernandez. Okay, well, we can pretty much rule out Bruno. He's way too expensive uh, compared to you can get into the United team way cheaper. Let's just get rid of him. I've seen a lot of drafts with Sterling in. I just don't really trust Chelsea straight away for obvious reasons. Exactly what you said earlier, Tom. So Sterling's kind of out. Um, I personally think Son is probably the best game week one captain at home to Southampton. Um, but because of team structure, I'm going to have Kane and not Son because I want to be able to move around easier to Haaland if he decides he's going to be incredible and not put sitters over the bar and, you know, that sort of thing. I want to be able to get on him, on him quickly. Um, I would love the Bruyne. Every draft I put together, it just there's just too much sacrifice to mm. get him in as well as Salah. I'd have to go no-mo. 
And my eight million midfielder would have to be Luis Diaz, really, to be able to um, get De Bruyne in. But I think I think De Bruyne will outscore Haaland this year in terms of fantasy points. Personally, that's uh, that's uh, my my shout. But uh, premiums, lads, in your draft you put together, Tom. How many of these big boys did you have in? I did have one draft where I had like four of them. I think I had Salah, De Bruyne, Son, and Kane, and the rest of my team was. As you can imagine, absolutely awful, yeah. <laughs> but pass, passable. I did look at it and think, do you know what? Actually an option, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, I don't know. Salah, I, I, I really want to convince myself to downgrade Salah to Luis Diaz because that makes such a difference to who you can put in. Um, but it's going to end up being 100% Salah. You can't get away from it. He's guaranteed to get... 200 plus points, no questions asked unless he has a major injury. So Salah, 100%. I've got Kane for the same reason you said. I had Haaland in originally, but I think Kane's run of fixtures at the start and pre-season form and end of season form last year just all mean I'm going to have Kane in. I do agree with you, Son's a good choice, but Kane, Kane, I think he's going to be a really good option this year, so I'm not too bothered about that. Um, Sterling, same as you, Chelsea, not sure. So, yeah, and KDB, I'd love to have him, but how'd you get him in? Just before I come to you, Scotty, on this, the the Kane and Son situation. So Son returned more off a a lower XGI. I think his expected goal involvement was like 21.5 and Kane's expected goal goal involvement was like 25. So even though Son returned more, Kane actually still had more genuinely like easier opportunities. Um, and and also people were talking about oh has Conte made them play differently and is Kane not going to have that many chances anymore? Well, he's outscored Son in preseason. So again, I say Son's the best option, but maybe that's some recency bias from last season. And actually, I'm going to be better off with with Kane captain game week one. But I'm scared of the Salah side of things. But anyway, sorry, Scott, to you. Yeah, I really I really don't want to go Salah as well. Um, one of the things that's probably going to make me go Salah is. Like you've mentioned earlier, I'm going to go Kane over Haaland, but it's such an easy Kane to Haaland. Whereas if you don't go Salah, you put your money elsewhere and to get back to Salah, you get rid of Diaz and you got rid of someone else and you all of a sudden you're taking minus fours really early on. Uh, so it is really important to consider that, right, let me go for the Diaz over Salah, but let me have a plan in place about how I'm going to get back to Salah without ripping the whole team up. So I probably will go Salah, if I'm honest. Um, and again, it is it is what Tom said, proven track record in fantasy. He did score a penalty at the weekend. Um, he looked fairly okay. Um, I'm going to go, I really want to go Son. Won't be going to Sterling and Fernandez. Um, Jared Bowen, let's not forget how much he ripped it up last season. He was fantastic. Um, and yeah, I'll be staying away from Chelsea assets as well. So yeah, no Mal, no Mares, no Foden, no Gundogan because of rotation. Um, so yeah, it's going to be. I think your premiums are going to be very similar, aren't they? Apparently, the way Liverpool got round Salah's contract impasse as well, because they haven't broken his wage their wage structure to get him in, uh, get him onto this new contract. But apparently, the way they've done it is through goal bonuses, goal related bonuses. So <laughs> I know, I know, even less. Yeah, well, everyone's making a thing that he gave Nunes that penalty pre-season. Bet he's not get a bonus for it. I wonder if he'd yeah. make that same decision on no game week one against Fulham. I don't. No think chance. So. He wants golden boot. He wants all the awards. So yeah, no chance. It's um. It's, it is interesting you say that, Scott, because then the next conversation that we'll have is um, uh, about like 8.5 to 7, 
7.5 million midfielders, or maybe even down as far as 7 million midfielders. Um, the majority of the people on our Twitter poll said that Saka was their number one 8 million midfielder. And then after that, it was Diaz, and it was a and it was a bit of either Foden or Maris. I'm guessing, I'm assuming um, they were talking more about uh, Maris at this very moment in time. Foden missed most of preseason. Um, yeah, I think Jared Bowen obviously game week one's a tough fixture, but then the next next three fixtures after are pretty good, and he's had a decent preseason as well. Saka for me, he stands out quite far. So he actually, if you we we look at the statistics for um, eight million pound midfielders. Over the season, I think if you compare them all together in a table, he was like second in terms of XGI overall and total points overall. But actually, per start, he was always in the bottom three out of all of this lot. So he's consistent. He'll play a lot, and they've got a good number of fixtures. But you know, I think his points per game was like five points something, which is all right. It's decent, but he seems to be the number one option. Um, Madison's interested in how the 50 million bids got him from Newcastle. We'll see, but I think it'll take a lot more than that to get him get him out at this very moment in time. Um, Luis Diaz, if you're not going to double up at the back for, um, and obviously if you're not going to go Salah, then Diaz seems like a pretty straightforward option. Pers- personally, I know he looks good and he seems like a really, really good player. He, he's still a fantasy wait and see for me, like Diaz. He, I'm still waiting for him to take off. As, a, as, as an actual fantasy asset. And I feel like after watching it the weekend, you know, Firmino started, which is great. Then Nunes came on. I feel like it's going to be like Salah, then Nunes, then Diaz in terms of returns. I feel like he's going to be third fiddle. And I hope he's not like the Firmino, but that's my my thought. And yeah, I think Cooley's probably not an option for me because of the Richarlison signing, but he probably should be, but I think there's better. So for me, the, of the 8 million options, I like Saka and I like Bowen at 8.5. Um, it's kind of screwed Bowen over there. If he was 8 million, I think he'd be in a hell of a lot more teams than 8.1%. I think that 0.5 really, really put him just that little bit above everybody else. Obviously, it has 0.5 of everyone else. Great maths, Al. Uh, 7.5, Gundogan's obviously not an option. Um, Sancho, Coutinho, Zaha's always there, isn't he? Um, Harvey Barnes, Grealish and Bernardo Silva. Bernardo's, with Bruyne in the team, never returns anywhere near as much. Thoughts on thoughts on 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 this this sort of seven seven point five million bracket then lads Grealish has had a lot of positive press but he's still for me he's still a, a fantasy wait and see but I understand why people are interested in him thoughts I don't think you can go too wrong with any of them that's my thoughts probably I think there's a group of them in that banding that probably seem relatively sensible. I think if you go Luis Diaz, if you go Saka, if you go Bowen, I don't think you're going to miss too badly, if that makes sense. I don't think there's any that I'd avoid in there. So I think I think it's just a case of maybe having a look at which your team balance and actually, is there a player that you need to get in because you got free from Liverpool, you can't get Diaz or blah, blah, blah. So I don't think there's, there's no one that scares me in that list about having him. I think I'd be happy having all of them in. And that's where a lot of your transfers will take place during the season. You know, on, on this page again, these are the players that you'll be bringing in and out quite a lot. And you know, you'll be spending your thirty-four free transfers or thirty-three free transfers you get during the season on them. Uh, Sancho, um, again, he, he he is a wait and see for me. Um, just Rashford at six point five is an extra. He's a million cheaper, and he's just it just hurts less if he does rubbish. Even though I think Sancho's the better option. Coutinho, you know what he's like. He's just too hit and miss. Um, there's some good 6.5s as well. 
Scott, your thoughts? Yeah, just just so many options in here. I think it's like it's where your transfers. Are, there's going to be so many watch and sees. Christian Eriksen, Man United, absolutely want to keep an eye on. Saint Maxim now, um, Matilda again, massive to keep an eye on. Um, Odegaard, Trossard, loads of them. This is where you. These are going to be. Your, it's not so much your premiums, is it? It's these are the big the big sort of decisions you're going to have. This is where you're going to be if you move on Eriksen quick and he's bagging for fun. And he's getting loads of assists. Mm-hmm. Same with St. Maxim as well. That's this is this is where it gets exciting, isn't it? Fantasy football. Because let's be honest, we all have the same two or three or four premiums. This is where the game is won. This is when it's exciting. So oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, loads of options. Totally agree. And it takes someone to just take a bit of a gamble on Jared Bowen, for example, and and to, to pair him with um, let's just say um Rashford and, and maybe Erdegaard playing in a 10 behind Jesus. I mean, Erdegaard, I really like to watch him play football. I think he's a great footballer. He's just never been the fantasy asset yet. Maybe this season could be the time, you know, with a proper number nine in front of him. Maybe he could be the one with, um, you know, like Party Jacob, um, Jinchenko, whoever's playing behind. Maybe this could be the time when Erdegaard gets a bit more freedom. Um, but anyway, decent options. War Prowse, 6.5 mil, classic. Um, there's loads of here at like six mils that and so many like ZH six mil, Pulisic six mil, like none of the Buendia, Fabio Martinelli is one that is somebody who really does stick out though, because he's probably gonna start. And uh, Fabio Vieira looks like a good player, but Martinelli's someone who's gonna be in a lot of teams. And if a, people probably won't double up too much on Saka and Martinelli, but if they're not gonna go Saka as their eight million option, I think we're gonna see a lot of six million Martinelli's in there. I think he's going to be in a lot of teams, 16.7% at this very moment in time. And yeah, like Rodrigo, like Tom said earlier, six mil. Jack Harrison's had a good preseason, as usual. Bruno Gamera's six mil starts at home against um, Forrest, a good option. Jalen's, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, we start here at, at six mil, not in Forrest. Newcastle, West Ham, Everton, it's not the easiest start in the world. They've got Bournemouth, Leeds and Fulham, Villa, Wolves and, and Brentford, uh, Brighton, sorry. They've got a good run from sort of game week six. If he takes takes well to the team, maybe he's an option. Um, but yes, the cheaper options. So if we get to sort of the 5.5s here, Pedro Neto seems to be an incredibly popular option, good pre-season at 19.2. Don't think you go far wrong, to be fair, with, with Neto. Um, seems like a good option uh, to start the season with. Um, Fulham and Fulham and Leeds seems relatively solid. Podence as well as is an okay one if you want to go alternative to that. Uh, and then um, yeah, Leon Bailey at uh, at five million seems a good good shout. And then if we want to have a look at the four point five, because inevitably everyone's going to have a four point five in their team. Uh, this season, they're also again players to watch out for. For example, last season we had Jacob Ramsey and Anthony Gordon. You know, they're really good enablers to get into your team quite quickly. Um, the, uh, the the transfer of uh, Andreas Pereira to Fulham, playing in a number 10 role behind Mitrovic at 4.5 million. There's no wonder he, uh, there's no real, no one's confused why he's owned by 24.8% of players. So I think in terms of your structure of your team, you're going to end up going with either two premiums or you're going to go with a premium and eight mil, maybe a seven or a six and then a five and then and, and a 4.5 million. I feel like they're all going to be, you're going to have that sort of the structure of a team um, unless you want to go a big five across midfield, but then you're going to be sacrificing at the back. So these are all your different structures and tiers that you can be going for. Lads, before I move on to forwards, anything else on, on midfielders? Uh, no, nothing to add on to that. I think it's good coverage. Forwards. 
Haaland, 49.6% owned. Slap that across your faces. There are 5 million fantasy managers registered at the moment. 2.5 million of them have Haaland. I mean, that's that's a lot for a guy that's never played in the Premier League before and Pep has never had a player, really, that's taken in the first season. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot. Don't worry, he's a beast, but we'll see what happens. I think again, He'll score he, 20 goals. He'll score 20 goals. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I just think they'll all be, bar one or two of them, from like game week eight onwards. Yeah. <laughs> when he like settles in. Um, their fixtures are good, though. Definitely could be wrong there. Um, Harry Kane, 25.6%. Seems relatively classic. Um, I think it's one or the other, or neither. Player I really like. Mr. Vardy. Jamie Vardy. He's a player that seems to get always get like slept on at the beginning of the year. But um he got in seasons before last season when he got a lot of injuries, 183, 174, 210, 187 points. Still got 133 last year. Delivered 2018, 23, and 15 goals. Just just a, a good solid player. Brentford, Arsenal, Southampton, Chelsea, Man United. Not the best fixtures in the world to start, but if you're looking for a differential up front, I like him. Darwin Nunes, seems like he's potentially going to play now at 9 million. He's a, he's He is an option. Uh, and then Gabriel Jesus at 70.7% owned. What? I mean, I mean, you've underpriced him, FPL. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. But 8 million quid. Is he not going to be in either of your teams? He'll be in there. 100%. He was the first player I put in, even before I saw his pre-season. He, when, I first, when the app first went live, it was Jesus straight in there. Just a no-brainer. Scott? Yeah, definitely in there, mate. Yeah, 100%. It just, it just is a no-brainer. 8 million. Arsenal's fixtures. He's going to play every week. It's and just who, el- a, who else is going to play? That's the question. That's what I mean. Like, it's just, he's, he's a no-brainer. So I think it's going to be the Kane or Haaland with Jesus. And there's just a load of wait and sees. They're not going to spend ages on these because there's no point. There's so many ways. Who's going to catch fire out of these? Like, there's loads of options. I think Alvarez at 6.5 is an interesting one <laughs> to, to point out. He's incredibly cheap. Um, if Ronaldo hopefully buggers off, then Marshall's going to play through the middle for United and, and the system seems to suit him quite nicely. You've got players like Watkins, um, Havertz, Calvert-Lewin, uh, even like Bamford-Wilson. He's obviously a good player if you get on him for different periods of time. Mitrovic is too expensive at 6.5 for me, but he was always going to come in at that. Um, Ivan Tony at seven's a bit disappointing. And Buemo's outperformed him in pre-season, even though it has to be said, and Buemo scored three goals, Tony scored one, but one of them, Buemo's goals, was a penalty when Tony had just gone off the pitch. So if Tony had stayed on like five minutes longer, it would have been two each. So it would have looked very, very different. Um, Solanke, his players just haven't ever done it in the Premier League. So it's difficult. There's a lot of 5.5s, all the Palace strikers. We don't know who's going to play, says FPL. <laughs> Benfica, Duarte and Mateta are all at 5.5. Undav people banged on about. Um, I think when you're looking at 4.5s to fit in your team, slowly they're all being loaned out or sold. Dilap's going to go as well, isn't he now? Um, interesting if he goes to a Prem team. Is it Southampton as an option, was it? Yeah. yeah. Interesting if he goes, because, you know, Brozier's not going back, is he? So maybe an option. It could be could be a good 4.5 to stick in there, especially at Southampton. Greenwood at 25.5. You can tell why he got the most points out of any 4.5 million option. He will also season. play this year with five subs. 
he will play. He's just about yeah. to sign a new contract, so See, he'll get minutes, and that's why he's so highly owned. Um, with a, a lot of early wild cards, these players just worry me a little bit, just in case they get, you know, people sell them early, and then the price drops a lot, and you lose a lot of team value. Because this year, this year, sorry, more than any other, there's going to be more players starting game week one than ever before. And the prices are going to change even faster than they have done previously. So being on it with your transfers relatively early at the beginning of the season is worthwhile to, you mean, you could end up having an extra million in team value after five game weeks just by making transfers quickly. Um, I like to have all the information, don't get me wrong, but you know, I think I'd rather a million in the bank to spend more a little bit later on in the season, especially if I've got a bit of a bit of squad depth. Um, Twitter poll on strikers: seventy-eight percent of people went Kane, and twenty-two percent had neither Kane or Haaland. So none of our Twitter community and Instagram community have Haaland in their game at one team at the moment. I was quite surprised by. I thought we'd have somebody, but uh, yeah. An absolute, absolute nobody. In terms of budget midfielders, Bailey was top, and then it was Neto and Pedence. Uh, well, actually, they were equal at 33 point, uh, 33%. Um, and Rashford, Martinelli um, all seem to be the, the more popular options of the uh, of the 6.7 midfielders. So now's the time, lads. Now's the time to see what the self-proclaimed FPL guru has um, put in his team so far. I hope you're all really excited for this. I've spent. I think I, could, I think I could guess it now, to be honest. He probably could, to be fair. I spent a long time on this. Oh wait, no, maybe not. There's one in there. I'm like, where's he come from? Well, cash probably, isn't it? I, value I, for value, though. I think he's like top ten value players, isn't he? I don't know. It's, it, it, to be fair, him or Justin, it's an option. I don't really like five million midfielders, to be honest with you. I might just take him out and save the point five. But for podcast listeners, um, it's Edison, Trent, Cancelo, Cash, and Robertson. Salah, Saka, Bailey and Neto, Kane and Jesus. And then um, on the bench, Ward, Nico Williams, Andreas Pereira and Lyle Taylor from Nottingham Forest. That's a very budget bench. Very budget bench. Incredibly budget bench. Uh, it's because I've gone premium keeper, three premium midfielders and then um, three, mm-hmm. three premium defenders and then a relatively expensive strike force. Uh, and then game at one of my team rating on Fantasy Football Hub's 97% there. Uh, 87% game at rating and then I just did the change to Haaland captaincy um, for the next week and then I'd bank a transfer into game week three and so that that was the that's the that's the initial initial plan you know maybe Haaland Kane out Haaland in game week two potentially um, and then we, we we roll from there but that's the the team had there's plenty of different options here there's a lot and we've got to pick our pod team boys uh, we're not do that now because that'll take hours. But we've got to pick our pod team of who we want to go with. And uh, I think collaborating on something like this at the beginning of the season in terms of team structure uh, might be relatively difficult. 88% of people, by the way, went Mo Salah for captain game week one in our poll. And the other 12% went Spurs. Um, I don't want to go Salah, but I'm going to end up going Salah. And I just and it's it's disappointing because... I think Kane's probably the better option. Maybe I'll go. I've still got Salah. At least he's not going to hurt me too much. Even if he gets a hat trick, it's only at 15 points minus whatever like Kane gets or 18 points minus whatever like Kane gets. But we'll we'll uh, we'll see. Boys, your your um, captains game week one. Your thoughts on that before we wrap up? 
Don't know. I ain't done a team yet. Uh, Spurs. <laughs> Spurs. Spurs. So Kane probably from our conversation we've just had. Do you thought? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Tom, give me anyone but Salah. Do you think you're going to maybe go somewhere else? I've got I've got it on Kane at the moment. So I like it though. I think it might. I might end up with Kane. It's, it's Salah versus I, Kane for me in terms of that team. I just think Spurs at home, like first day of the season, big crowd, loads of new signings. It might be quite a positive vibe there. I can just I can and Kane in good form. Talking yeah. about new positive vibes. Look at that two PM kickoff and uh, on Sunday, new manager, theatre of dreams. <laughs> I think Bruno's going to shock the world. He's going to score five. I, I think I generally think we beat them, and I think we do a good job. I, I honestly do. Like, I don't think we'll score five, but like, I think we'll beat them. And I think I, I think Marshall will put a lot of people make put people think, oh, maybe we should buy him at seven million after that game. Um, it's going to be one of them, one of them matches. Um, I think um, to 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 wrap up before we go for a few of your predictions about the about the season uh, deadline is at six thirty this coming Friday, six thirty Friday. Palace play Arsenal live on Sky Sports. Can't wait for the Premier League to be back. Early kickoffs Fulham Liverpool, um, and then there's a really interesting set of fixtures. I think a lot of these games will be great, and it wraps up on Super Sunday at um, 4.30, Man City play West Ham. Um, and just so you know, for game week two, there's a full week before game week two where the early kickoff is Villa against Everton. So the game week two deadline is at 11 o'clock on Saturday the 13th of August. Um, as for some predictions, people, uh, we had a couple of people go, right, give us some give us some thoughts. Who do you think is going to do well? Who do you think is going to do badly? So I want your top seven in order in the Premier League. And I want your bottom three. Who's going to go first? I'll go first. I'll go first. Go um, first. Cully's going to hit me, but I think Liverpool, City, Spurs, Arsenal, Chelsea, Man United, and Newcastle. Okay. Bottom three? Bottom three, Forest, Bournemouth. And I honestly don't know. On this last one, I'm going to say, I, I think my gut says Brentford, even though they were really good last year. Um, everyone struggled with second season. I just think Brentford might struggle again. So, so is that Forest 20th? Uh, Bournemouth, not... 20th, Bournemouth 20th. Okay. Bournemouth 20th, Forest 19th, Brentford 18th. Okay. Scotty? City, Liverpool. Yeah. yeah. Spurs. Mm-hmm. Man United. Yeah. Chelsea. Arsenal. West Ham. No, Leicester. Leicester. <laughs> yeah, no Europe for him this year. Leicester seventh. Bottom three? Forest bottom. Mm-hmm. Bournemouth second bottom. Southampton, third bottom. Ooh. I like that as a difference. Um, unfortunately, I think City will win the league, which is annoying. I think Liverpool will come second. I hate my life. <laughs> it's just, just not, not for being a United fan. It's a very moment in time. About uh, time we had a bad run to And I think Spurs third as well. Completely agree. And I think United fourth. Um, only because I'm biased. So I think we'll come fourth. I actually think Arsenal come fifth. 
I think Chelsea will come sixth, and I think Tuchel will be sat by Christmas by the World Cup, personally. And then Leicester will come seventh. I completely agree with that. Scott. And then bottom three, I think it'll be Bournemouth bottom. I think it'll be Brentford 19th. And I think it'll be Southampton 18th. And I think we'll have a uh, Fulham and Forest stay up. Why the hell not? Um, The only reason I've not got Fulham in that bottom three is surely, surely they just get a season. You know, it's like Norwich eventually have to have back-to-back seasons in the Premier League. They've got got a really, really good manager for me. Yeah. That makes a a big difference. Um, Players, FPL players. I mean, let, let's. Who do you think is going to be the top scoring FPL assets? Top three. Salah one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Salah one. Boring. Yeah, but it's true, isn't it? Salah Son came. Salah Son came. I'm going to say Salah, Kane, and KDB. I went Salah, Plus. KDB, Kane. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was the three I went in. So I swapped that order for you. What Paul Son? What's he done? Oh, no, to, he done no, I, I think Son will be right there up with them. I just think I've got if KDB can just not have glass ankles for a year and he's got Haaland to, to feed the ball into, I, yeah, I just well, think mate, Son's crying. And the uh, I think the uh, the value, I think we're going to see some incredible value from, from Man United this season, personally. I think we're going to yeah. see some great value yeah. from those guys. We all um, hope not, absolutely. You two, but Scott doesn't care actually. Um, so yeah, that's it. You, you hope not. I hope so. Um, and yeah, I think we'll. I think we've got. I think this this season is going to be very interesting about who are going to be the budget players to pick up on. Um, so, lads, thanks very much for getting through that. There's probably some technical difficulties somewhere through this, and there'll probably be a few glitches when we're putting this together. So thanks for bearing with us. I have no idea how long it is anymore because I lost track um, for obvious reasons because we had loads of technical difficulties. But thank you ever so much for every single person who's tuned in. Thank you ever so much for every single person who's contributed to this podcast. Thank you ever so much for every single person that's joined our Fantasy League. Don't forget, the code is L-X-A-Y-M-I. That's L-X-A-Y-M-I. And that is on our social media platforms. So you can find it there anyway. All of the pod, all of the P, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. Tom, Scott, good luck. Uh, we'll uh, we'll have a nice chat about our uh, draft teams put together for uh, for the pod team. Um, that'll take us a while. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, we will hopefully speak to you after Game Week 1 deadline between Game Week 1 and Game Week 2. Thank you very yeah. much. Thanks for ruining my week, Alex, by nope. making this all I think about. I tried... Honestly, I've held off and held off doing this podcast for so long. I wanted to at least be August before I did it because I know so many of us, we love it. We love our FPL. We love our football. I wanted us to at least be able to, you know, have a bit of time off, enjoy the Euros, do whatever. Um, so uh, I've held off as long as I could do, Tom. I've done it and I did it most I appreciate with you. that. I appreciate most that. You. <laughs> so thank you very much, Junior, everybody. And, uh, and, and bye for now. 